When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. This is the Blue White Breakdown. The premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown. Brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and Johnny McGonigal. Okay, boys and girls, it's Blue White Breakdown time. I'm Bob Flounders, joined by Johnny McGonigal. Johnny's got a big weekend coming up. We could talk a little bit about that, but Penn State's program has been on quite a run. The the story at the start of the week I thought was going to be about the draft because Penn State's well represented at the draft. It starts on Thursday. But, man, they are just – they're killing it on the recruiting trail. They're coming fast and furious. Right around high noon on Tuesday, they got yet another commitment. We're going to get to him. Here's my first question for you, Johnny. Is Luke Fickle trying to get fired at Wisconsin before he ever coaches the game? You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, look, it's it's really been an intriguing week of Penn State recruiting. They last week end up getting a four-star offensive lineman, Donovan Harbor, from Catholic Memorial High School in uh, Waukesha, I believe, Wisconsin. On Monday, they get a commitment from another Wisconsin offensive lineman in Garrett Sexton uh, from Arrowhead High School in Heartland, Wisconsin. And now actually on Tuesday, they've gotten a commitment uh, not from a Wisconsin offensive lineman, but from a different offensive lineman, from uh, a North Carolina offensive lineman uh, by the name of Egan Boyer, a three-star, six-foot-eight prospect. And then on Friday, there's going to be another commitment, uh, scheduled commitment uh, from four-star Catholic Memorial High School from Wisconsin, teammate of Donovan Harbor, Corey Smith, who is projected to pick Penn State right now. Three of the top players in Wisconsin, arguably the three top players from Wisconsin, joining Penn State's 2024 recruiting class. And you mentioned Luke Fickle. It's one of those where I guess Penn State Penn State got in early on these guys earlier than when Luke Fickle and his staff were hired and brought in. And so that has a part of it. But I actually talked to Garrett Sexton's high school coach earlier this week for a story on basically like how Penn State is getting in on these Wisconsin players after they only had two uh, Wisconsin scholarship players uh, in the James Franklin era prior uh, to this little recruiting run. That's Jerry Cross from Milwaukee and Rob Windsor. Uh, so if they were to sign three Wisconsin guys in one class, that would really just be, uh, in the words of Garrett Sexton's high school coach, an anomaly. But it is, it's been a bizarre kind of week on the recruiting trail in, in, in that aspect. But I'm sure James Franklin and his staff will take it, considering uh, they're starting to really round out and put the pedal to the metal on this uh, 2024 recruiting class. I'm just spitballing here, but... Um... Wisconsin's down a little bit. Penn State's coming off that big run uh, to the Rose Bowl. Finished strong, took Ohio State to the limit. 
they getting a little bit of a bump off of that moving forward? And maybe is there some uncertainty, like <laughs> some unknowns about maybe how good Wisconsin football can really be? Because like you said, it, it is rare. It is rare for Penn State to go into that state during James Franklin's time. And he's in his 10th year. And he's already got more verbals, I think, or he's about to get more verbals from Wisconsin than he's had players from Wisconsin uh, during his tenure. Penn State's positioned, well-positioned, and they're putting the recent drafts, they're putting guys in the NFL. And Wisconsin's been just been down. They've been down, and you just don't know what it's going to look like. And I'm just wondering, there's a trickle-down effect in-state uh, for Wisconsin. Yeah, maybe. I think, I think another, there's a few other aspects to this, too. It's a, it's a complex deal. First of all, on Penn State's end, Ty Hal, the tight ends coach, prior to rejoining Penn State staff as an analyst in 2020, he was an assistant at Western Illinois for four years. He got into recruiting the Wisconsin area for Western Illinois and started to make relationships that way with the high school coaches in Wisconsin. And so he kind of opened the, opened the door for Penn State to go into Wisconsin because he knew all these high school coaches from his experience at Western Illinois. So he connected with Garrett Sexton's coach and Bill Young, who coaches at Catholic Memorial, who's kind of a legendary figure in the state of uh, in, in Wisconsin high school football. And so from there, it was Hal, it was Phil Troutwine, the offensive line coach, who's done a phenomenal job recruiting over the last 12 to 16 months, 12 to 18 months or so. And then some other recruiting staffers for Penn State that just start to make inroads with these kids. And it's coupled with the fact that Wisconsin – like you mentioned, kind of a little of a downturn and you know parting ways with Paul Christ. And the other the other part of this though is that Paul Christ's staff they offered Donovan Harbor and Corey Smith, the running back um, that Penn State could get on Friday. They offered him, but then when Luke Fickle and his staff came in, they did not reoffer them. <laughs> Why I don't I I don't know. I mean, maybe they don't think they're good enough. Maybe there's just a disconnect between. Those couple prospects in Wisconsin staff, they, they visited in January and they didn't get reoffered. Uh, and Luke Fickle and his staff didn't offer Garrett Sexton until a few days ago. So, like, I would call it, I think it was like Saturday. He committed to Penn State on Monday. His top four was already out a couple weeks in advance already. Like, Penn State, Oklahoma, Iowa, Minnesota were already in Garrett Sexton's top four. And then that's when Wisconsin decides to come in. And so, you know, I asked Garrett Sexton's coach, Matt Smith about this. And he's just like, yeah, you know, they were too late. Garrett was thankful. Wisconsin finally realized he was, I guess, good enough, but um, you know, Penn state met all the criteria that he was looking for. And by time Wisconsin offered Garrett Sexton, it was already a done deal for him to come to Penn state. So kind of weird stuff uh, for Luke fickle and, and what's going on there at Wisconsin. But again, Penn state, James Franklin, his staff will certainly take it um, because uh, Garrett Sexton and Donovan uh, Harbor, uh, the offensive lineman from the state of Wisconsin, as well as if they get Corey Smith. I mean, that's, that's a really good run that, you know, they're up to, I think, 12 commits now with uh, Egan Boyer uh, committed on Tuesday. So, yeah, it's it's been nonstop on this recruiting news, Bob. Crazy stuff. Yeah. Uh, Luke Fickle, good luck at Wisconsin, but maybe uh, you're going to need to mend some fences, I think, in state with some of the better programs. In the country, if you're a little slow to pull the trigger, but uh, we'll see. He's he obviously won at Cincinnati, played at Ohio State. Maybe he's just not. He's just not. He's just trying to do things a little bit differently early on at Wisconsin, and they do need to shake things up at Wisconsin, right? But I just don't know. It seems like James Franklin and his staff know where the talent is. They've proven that. So if they're interested, chances are these are really 
talented players that they're willing to, you know, to go out of state that far for. I think, I think, John, I think, is it 12 verbals now in the 2024 class? And I think, I think from six different states or maybe seven, I know there's a, there's obviously a heavy PA presence, but you look around and some of the states they're pulling kids from, they are really recruiting uh, as best as they can, maybe not nationally, but They've got some contacts where it really matters in the South, in the Midwest. You know, they've gone into Texas. They go into Florida. Whereas Luke Fickle is not really dominating the state of Wisconsin early in his tenure. James has really committed to that. And not only is he getting Pennsylvania's kids, he's getting the best kids. Yeah, yeah, you're right. With six states uh, represented in the 2024 class so far, you know, Egan Boyer from North Carolina committing on Tuesday. That bumps it to six states. They already have... Uh, committed in their class, five of the top players from Pennsylvania. Quentin Martin from Belle Vernon leading the charge there. You also have Kenny Wosley from Imhotep in Philly. Anthony Specka from Central Catholic in Pittsburgh. Caleb Brewer from Wyomissing committing after the Blue-White game. Uh, and Cooper Cousins, who I believe was the first player in the class uh, from uh, McDowell in Erie. Uh, and then you've got, you know, Kari Jackson from West Bloomfield, Michigan. You've got John Mitchell and Antoine Belgrave Shorter, the the teammates uh, from down in Jacksonville, the corners. Uh, Luke Reynolds uh, from the New England area. And as we mentioned, uh, Wisconsin well-represented in this 2024 class. So it's an impressive run that Penn State is on right now. Uh, From an offensive line standpoint specifically, I mean, they've gotten four offensive line commits in the last 10 days. And that's assuming um, Brewer ends up on the offensive line because he could also end up on the defensive line uh, eventually at Penn State. But they've also got, what, I think seven guys now committed in the month of April, uh, <laughs> and it could be eight on Friday. So from Phil Troutwine to, you know, everyone else on this staff, all the assistant coaches, Terry Smith doing a really good job, Jaywan Sider looking ahead, too, at the 2025 class. They got that, you know, Keandre Barker, uh, that running back uh, last week, I believe it was. Yeah, it's it's been it's been good stuff for them, and uh, I don't expect it to really stop either. Like, yeah, I feel like they're just going to keep churning through these guys, and it's good to see though from 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 a you know, big picture standpoint that they're attacking the trenches and getting after you know trying to establish you know four or five guys on the offensive line early ish in the process before their senior season start, um, and just get that locked down because you can never have too many offensive linemen offensive line depth is is a, is something to be cherished you could tell that was a point of emphasis for james franklin and his staff going into this uh recruiting so. this is the blue white breakdown welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary everyone's journey is different and we are honored to guide you to the best relationship with this incredible plant have questions google Cureleaf pa or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Moving along here on the Blue White Breakdown. Johnny, you are headed, if, if my sources are correct, since you're my source, you're <laughs> headed to the great state of Texas for some weekend. Uh, you're going to get together with some family, watch some baseball. 
watch some Phillies baseball, which I know is near and dear to your heart. The draft will be in Kansas City, I think, starting Thursday through Saturday. Penn State should have a pretty nice little presence at the 2023 draft. I think, you know, if you're looking at the the floor for Penn State kids to get drafted, probably five and, you know, maybe six, seven-ish. There's always maybe a surprise, but let's say seven's the number if we were going to bet maybe the most. Maybe they could sneak an eighth in there. It seems unlikely, but what I wanted to say was we're talking about, you know, Wisconsin and North Carolina and their Florida recruiting, but the way it looks, the top three Penn State players that are going to get picked this weekend, Pennsylvania, uh, Juco from Lackawanna who played football in Jersey, I think Trenton, and then a tight end who put on a lot of size and strength um, while at Penn State, I believe, from West Virginia. So Bretton Strange, Jair Brown, and Joey Porter, the first-round pick, kind of in Penn State's backyard. It's going to be funny to watch as this kind of plays out over the years, though. I think you're going to see Penn State players get picked early and earlier, but they're not necessarily going to be maybe from the state of Pennsylvania, which speaks to how well James and his staff are now recruiting nationally. Yeah, and Joey Porter Jr. is the top guy. Uh, we all know that. And you know, from the time that he declared uh, that he was entering the NFL draft, he was a projected first-round pick at that moment. And that hasn't changed. You, know, you see some outlets, some draft experts fluctuate. Like, oh, is he the 16th overall prospect? Is he the 20th? Every single mock draft you look at, and again, they're they're not taken. They shouldn't be viable by any by any means. But you know, these a lot of these guys like Daniel Jeremiah and Kuiper and Dane Brugler from the Athletic, like these guys are connected. They know their stuff, and Joey has consistently been in the in the first round and within the first twenty picks. Uh, you know, you've seen a lot of uh, Pittsburgh Steelers at seventeen. The connections there are obvious with Joey's dad playing with the Steelers and winning the Super Bowl there. You know, he's friends with Mike Tomlin's, uh, you know, sons. And obviously Pittsburgh needs a cornerback, uh, but they're not the only team that needs a corner. The Detroit Lions at 18 could use one. The Patriots at 14, Commanders at 16. Uh, so really interested to see where Joey Porter Jr. ends up. He'll be at the draft in Kansas City uh, attending the draft. He said that it's something that he's looked forward to for a long time, you know, uh, putting on that hat, walking across that stage and, and holding up the, uh, his new team's jersey, it's something that he dreamed of as a kid. So Penn State fans watching the draft on Thursday night uh, will be able to see Joey Porter Jr., one of the top corners in the class, arguably the best corner in the class. But, you know, him and Christian Gonzalez at Oregon and uh, the kid from Illinois, uh, Devin Witherspoon, are the three top corners. Uh, to see him fulfill that dream would be pretty cool. Yep. So Penn State fans, you don't need to hear it from us. Round one only on Thursday Two and three Friday and rounds four through seven Saturday. I think Saturday's draft, the Saturday draft's like right at noon, Thursday night, Friday night, prime time for uh, for the draft. And I know a lot of Penn State fans are eager to see it. And I think we, we can't say this enough either. Historic pick, Joey Porter going in round one for Penn State's program, a corner, uh, a defensive back in general. And then Jair Brown, you know, you know, I think, I, I really think it's going to be a subjective decision, but a lot of people look at him as one of the two top two or three safeties in the draft. And that could, that could, you know, earn him a spot 
second round might be early, but then again, maybe it not, maybe not. But he's to me, he's a top hundred player. And I think if you think it, you look at Penn State in the defensive backfield, how far they've come, there's a good chance that two players could go, you know, in the top one hundred in the defensive backfield. Good for them, good for Joey, and good for Jair. But also, I think you know. Future players are paying attention to this. Future recruits are looking at this saying, hey, man, I don't need to just go play corner in the SEC. You know, I can I can I we they, they play some pretty good defense in Happy Valley and they have to because they're going against the Ohio State wide receiver room. So it makes a lot of sense if you want to get eyes, the NFL eyes on you uh, and you want to play corner or safety at Penn State. I mean, there's going to be a lot of people at the Ohio State Penn State game for years to come. Yeah, and also you just look at the way that they've developed uh, both Joey Porter Jr. Uh, and Jair Brown. You know, Joey was, a again, a legacy kind of player uh, with his dad, but a four-star, you know, three-star, depending on where you looked. And it, he wasn't a top 50 guy. I mean, he had the the physical traits that you wanted, the long arms that has NFL teams just like oogling over at this point. But also, and then Jair Brown had no offers coming out of high school, went to Lackawanna, had to work his way and ended up following in the footsteps of uh, Jaquan Brisker, uh, who's another guy that we, we should talk about as a second round uh, DB last year. So um, they've got a nice little run going here. And you look down the, down the road at what Penn State has in the secondary. You know, Kalen King could be in this conversation in the first you know couple, few rounds uh, of next year's draft if he wanted to come out. Uh, you look at the safety room and the young talent that they have and KJ Winston, Zaki Wheatley, Jalen Reed, and the veteran and, and Keaton Ellis. That's, that's some talent there that's going to be on Sundays. And uh, so it, it's a testament to what Terry Smith has going in the corner room and uh, Anthony Poindexter uh, in the safety room. It is also a testament to the staff's, uh, you know, development overall, the strength staff and, uh, and recruitment and all that kind of good stuff. And then on the offensive side of the ball too, like you mentioned, Brenton strange, he's a, been a riser in this class if you look at ESPN's big board, uh, I believe uh, Jair Brown is the number 69 prospect overall. Uh, Brenton Strange is number 61 overall. So those guys firmly in the you know late second round consideration, but probably third round, if not like a steal in the fourth round. And so for those guys, I think that's, that's a really great spot to be. Um, if you're Parker Washington, it's a little more dicey because you, you had the season ending injury. Uh, you weren't able to come back and uh, and compete and, and run and do all the drills at the combine and pro day. Um, so we've seen his stock fall a little bit. You know, wouldn't be surprised if he's a fifth round guy. Uh, Juice Scruggs has seen his stock rise a bit. Uh, I think teams like that he can play both guard and center. You know, we saw him talking to Mike McDaniel and and the and the Dolphins staff quite a bit um, at pro day. Uh, but wouldn't be surprised if he's a fifth or sixth round guy. He seems like he's firmly going to be picked. Like he's not, he's moved himself from like flyer territory to, Hey, like fifth or sixth rounder, maybe even a back end fourth rounder. Um, and I think those are your big five. Like those are the five that are absolutely going to hear their names called Joey Porter, Jr. Um, Jair Brown, Brenton Strange, Parker Washington, and Juice Scruggs. And then you get into like, Hey, could Mitchell Tinsley be taken at the end of the sixth round? Like, sure. You know, PJ Mustafer, who uh, has not, you know, in terms of on field stuff, uh, it, you know, at the combine and everything, has not had a great pre draft process. You know, will a team take a flyer on him in the sixth or seventh? Maybe. Uh, I don't expect, although they, they could sign as free agents, uh, like Sean Clifford, Jonathan Sutherland, Nick 
Tarbert and Crystal and Barney and Moore feel like, hey, bring you guys in for a rookie camp and see how you do. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's right. I think also we would be remiss if we didn't mention two other players with uh, varying degrees of Penn State ties. The obvious one is Will Levis, and we could talk about him. But I think the more the most fascinating story going into this draft is the player that came back to Penn State, Olu Fashanu. Uh, the breakout the breakout season at left tackle last year didn't play the last five games. You know, I think he got hurt late in the Ohio State game. But he, I mean, you talked to Dane Brugler. Um, his his uh, rise uh, was so dramatic. I think Dane had him as his best offensive tackle and left tackle, which is a premium position. The reason I bring that up is when you watch the draft Penn State fans, there's going to be some guys from the Big Ten that go in the first round that are offensive linemen. And just remember that there were some people that thought Olu was as good or better than these guys that are going to go probably pretty early in the first round. Skaronsky, Peter Skaronsky, who could play guard or tackle from Northwestern. Uh, Paris Johnson, I think a lot of teams are starting to hone in on him as maybe the best tackle prospect available in the draft. There's another Ohio State offensive lineman, I think Dewan Jones. He's probably not going to go in the first round. Wisconsin's got a center. I think his last name is Titman. But the Big Ten's always got linemen, especially on the offensive side. And Olu, you know, if he wanted to, he could have. He could have declared. And I think, you know, I think if of all the medicals checked out. He would be a first-round pick along with Joey, and he's coming back. You know, Johnny, when you see these guys go off the board in the first round, just remember that Olu was trending in that direction, and he chose to come back. Yeah, I mean, you know, at the mid-season point, Dane Brugler from The Athletic had Olu Fashanu as the number five prospect in the 2023 draft, you know, behind Bryce Young and Will Anderson from Alabama, Miles Murphy from Clemson, and Jalen Carter. Uh, from Georgia. So the top offensive lineman, the second best offensive prospect overall, uh, which is really saying something because at that point, Olu had still only started, what, seven, eight games? And Dane knew at that point he had seen enough on film uh, that he was convinced that this kid is a top five, top 10 pick. Props to Olu for, you know, making his decision and being comfortable in in what he decided to do, it's a lot of money to leave on the table. You look at last draft, the top tackle signed for a $28 million deal over four years. Uh, I guess if you're Olu, you're pretty confident that, you know, as long as you stay healthy, you're going to get that next year. Um, and obviously Penn State, love to have him back. And talk. I just remember talking to, you know, to players at the Combine when I was out there in Indianapolis, and I went up to a bunch of you know, defensive tackles and, you know, outside defensive tackles and, and defensive ends who went up against Olu and they could just not stop raving about him. You know, I just, you know, the, the guys from uh, Auburn, you know, they were like, oh, that number 74, like we thought that we had him beat. We thought we had, you know, we thought that he was soft and he wasn't. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it, he's just been super impressive and fully expect him uh, to be in this conversation for us to be talking about him. Uh, next year is one of the top guys coming off the board. I don't know if you expected to to talk about Will Levis being one of the top guys coming off the board a few years ago, Bob, but <laughs> here gonna, we are. I was going to say, when he transferred to Kentucky, when he left after uh, the 2020 COVID year, it was an interesting season, Johnny. You know, the Penn State started, I think, 0-5. Sean Clifford 
had a really rough stretch early, early uh, in that in that zero uh, and five start, and he had some yards, but he made some mistakes. And I think you know it got so bad in the loss to Nebraska, and Nebraska was not good in twenty twenty either. That James gave the keys to the car to Will, and he made some plays, but he couldn't lead him back. And then he struggled early. I think the next week, and yet another loss against Iowa. They went back to Clifford, and I think he was the guy. For the remainder of the Iowa game, and the final four games, and they won those four games. And um, you know, I think I think Will kind of saw the writing on the wall, even though he's a, a confident kid and he's got all the talent in the world. I don't think he had a clear path to being Penn State's quarterback. It was going to be it was going to be a dogfight, and he wanted to play. He felt like he could play. He went to Kentucky. At no point did I think, boy, this guy. I could see this guy in a couple of years, maybe being a top five or top side, top six pick. Now, is he talented? Yeah, he's more physically talented than Sean Clifford. I do, I think even Sean would admit that, probably begrudgingly. This was a talented kid. You've seen some of the videos. He's he's just got elite arm talent. Had a good first year at Kentucky. Last year beat up, no supporting cast, but still the NFL is looking for the next Josh Allen. They're looking for the next quarterback that can really kind of improve the team in a hurry and he could be that guy, but he's certainly not risk-free, but as we get closer to the draft, Johnny, it does seem like there's almost no question that that Will Levis is going to go very early in this draft. Yeah, I mean, you look at the quarterbacks and Bryce Young and CJ Stroud seem like the clear 1-2 or 1A, 1B, uh, whatever you want to call them. Uh, but beyond that, teams are looking at Will Levis and they're looking at Anthony Richardson from Florida and they're looking at the tools that those guys have and the, the arm strength and uh, even though both of them haven't necessarily always put it all together and looked like a polished NFL quarterback, you know, there, there's some sense of hubris and some confidence in these NFL, you know, coaching rooms. And they're just like, yeah, I can I can take that and, and mold it into a, an all pro quarterback. And, and more often than not, it doesn't work out. But um, at the same time, you know, good for Will Levis. And I remember, uh, you know, getting in a question to him out of the combine about Penn State and. And he couldn't speak higher, you know, of of the teammates and the coaches that he left behind there. He said, you know, it's nothing but love there. And, and you know, it was a it was a long journey at Penn State, but you know, it's one that helped him get to that uh, get to this point. And uh, you're going to see more stories like this, and you you have already. Uh, but with the transfer portal and with everything going on in college football with player movement, you're going to see guys that just don't pan out in certain certain spots go elsewhere, and they do. You know, if he goes number five, I don't think it's a referendum on you know James Franklin picking uh, Clifford over him. It's what he felt was best for his program at the time. But yeah, it should be it should be something so cool. And like you're going to have coaches and teammates at Penn State like being happy for Will Levis when this happens over the weekend. Yeah, I'm just interested to see where it goes, honestly. Yeah, and and one more Penn former Penn State note. I think the coaching staff will probably be happy for Zach Kuntz, uh, the former Penn State tight end from the mid state. Harrisburg area who uh, went after a couple of years. He was part of actually a very, very coveted recruit in James's 2018 class, spent a couple of years at Penn State. You know, Pat Fryermuth was also in his class and Pat emerged kind of right away as kind of the go-to guy at tight end. Zach eventually uh, moved to Old Dominion and Ricky Ronnie, who's now the head coach, the former OC at Penn State. Uh, Zach had one really, really good year, I think two years ago, and he was beat up, I think, last year and didn't play very much. But, Johnny, I know you talked to him. The Combine, much like Mike Kosicki, he tore it up at the Combine. He's a unique athlete for the tight end position, kind of a hybrid 
six seven every bit of it and you know 240 245 whatever it is he's he's just you know uh, a different looking tight end who can really move so he's a guy that you know has a chance i think to go as early maybe as the third round but i think there's no question he's going to get drafted sooner rather than later it'd be interesting to see though what nfl team kind of decides they want to kind of build part of their passing game with zach but he's he's a guy that i think penn state fans Remember, and I think a lot of the coaching staff uh, that remember recruiting him, I'll be I'll be happy when he when he hears his name called at some point, either Friday or Saturday. Yeah, at the very least, I feel like he'll be a fourth or fifth round guy, and understandably so if he ends up going late in the third, because NFL teams will look at what he did at the combine. You know, standing at six foot seven, uh, you know, became the tallest player to record a forty inch vertical uh, since two thousand three at the combine. Also clocked a four five five forty. That's just freakish stuff. So if, if you're, you're sitting there, you need a tight end, not necessarily a surefire day one starter, but uh, you you have kind of a luxury pick late in the third or early in the fourth, and you want to take him and try to you know take take what he has athletically, and and you already saw what he did in one season uh, at Old Dominion. It's not it's not a bad pick at all. Another old name to keep an eye on, um, someone that just didn't work out at Penn State, but uh, Justin Shorter. Uh, former five-star wide receiver from New Jersey, uh, transferring to Florida. He kind of he's kind of in like the sixth, seventh round flyer range. You know, frankly, it's not like he he fulfilled his expectations at Florida either. But he's just another familiar name that if you're watching the draft on Saturday, you're like, oh yeah, I remember that guy. Um, he's one of those. So uh, yeah, there's definitely a lot of Penn State connections uh, this weekend uh, on the draft, and uh, it's always a good weekend, Bob. Draft weekend's always fun. It is. All right, Penn State fans, we're going to wrap it up. Johnny, I know you got a, you got a plane to catch in a, in a day or two, but uh, check out all of our Penn State uh, draft coverage as, as we get closer to the draft. And, and during the draft, we're going to have a ton of stuff, Johnny and I. Dave Jones and I will be back, I believe, on the second Blue White Breakdown podcast. Talk a little bit more draft than whatever is on Dave Jones's mind. You never know, you never know what you're going to get. So, Johnny uh, – I'll talk to you next week. Enjoy Texas. And uh, I know you can't completely stand down because, like you said, odds are very good that Penn State and James Franklin are getting yet another verbal probably towards the end of the week. But we'll see. Have fun in Texas, buddy. And uh, I'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. Looking forward to it, Bob. This has been the Blue White Breakdown brought to you by Penn Live. <laughs>